0: Well, this is it, guys. We finally have reached the end of our series of doing church as a team. But we don't get to end being a church as a team. (laughs) That just means we get to actually do what we've been called to do. It's time to uh, stand up and do the right thing. But today, before we get there, I want to talk to you guys about developing as a team. Can I tell you a story? I know I started late, so I, I appreciate the forgiveness. I don't know why my brain switched to think that we started at eleven, but it literally did, and I apologize for that. So, please forgive me. I'm asking for grace. Anyway, I wanted to tell you a story about a man named Reuben. Guys, yeah, anyone here know a Reuben? I figure if I went Reuben, not a whole lot of people would know Rubens. Okay, good. That I don't have to be like, no, it's not that one, it's another Reuben. So this guy named Reuben, he was sick. He was really, really sick. And he, the disease that he had kept him from being able to walk. And so he was in a wheelchair, and he would be wheeled around by his friends because he couldn't even move his arms. I mean, he was paralyzed from, like, the neck down. He could speak. He was around. He had friends. I mean, he was a pretty popular guy. But he was paralyzed, and he couldn't move. Well, one day, and he was in, he was in his house, you know, reading. It's one of the things he could do. And um, his friends showed up. And he came, the friends walked right in the door and said, Hey, Reuben, you got to come and listen to this preacher. It is amazing the stuff that he's saying. <sighs> but I, I don't want to go. No, you don't. You don't get a choice. His, he had some mean friends, I guess. So they grabbed him, and he couldn't fight them. They grabbed him up and took him over to where this preacher was preaching. And the place was completely packed. It took them a little while to get Reuben there. So they're they're coming up to the to that to the place where the preacher is. The place is completely packed. They can't get Reuben in the door. Well, these are young friends, and they're not, they're not the brightest of folks sometimes. So they thought to themselves, what can we do? Because we really want to get Reuben over to the preacher. What are we going to do? And one of the friends, and you know who this guy is. If, if you don't know who he is, he's probably you. He thought, I have an idea. Let's go get a ladder. So they got a ladder, and they climbed to the roof of where the preacher was. They climbed up there, they stuck a rope down and they pulled Ruben up to the top of the roof. These guys are crazy. Have you ever met a roofer? Is anyone here roofers? I just want to check. Roofers are crazy. <laughs> if any of you were here and you were roofers, I would just look at you and say, "You've got to be crazy to voluntarily be like up that high where you could just fall." Have you ever seen some of these roofs? I mean, that I had I had this roof on my house in Virginia. It was literally like that. I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> I'm not going up there. I mean, even to hang Christmas lights, I would not go up there because I don't want to. I have, I'm i allergic to falling. It makes me swell up all over my body and makes me break bones. Um, but anyway, these, these, these four friends, they grab up Ruben and they take him up on top of this roof. And they're like, I've got the idea. They take tools with them. And they are banging on this roof, tearing it up, ripping it up. Because they're like, yeah, the preacher's going to be like right there. Bang, 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 rip, tear, busting up. Can you imagine if someone right there was just pounding on the roof, destroying it, trying to get in? Can you imagine if it was your house in your living room and someone was banging on your roof, tearing it up, trying to get in? I don't think you'd be a very happy homeowner at that point. You're probably starting to calculate what your homeowner's insurance payment's going to be and how you're going to get them to pay for it. Anyway, so they finally get the roof opened up, and they drop Reuben in down to the preacher, and the preacher's just looking at him and looking up at the ceiling. What in the world is going on? It's not like this thing happened instantaneously. It takes a little while to take apart a roof. And you know what the preacher said? The preacher looked at him straight in the eyes. He looked at all his friends. And he said, your friends must really like you. (laughs) And he said, my son, your sins are forgiven. And Reuben walked out. Now, I, I played a little bit. You guys know this story already by now this was peter's house if you know anything about peter he was not a very calm man <laughs> i'm just happy this i'm just happy the bible didn't record all of peter's statements at this moment we would have a very different bible <laughs> but see the thing is is that there's two important things to remember about this story that we find in mark chapter two First of all the preacher was jesus The house belonged to Peter. They came to see Jesus because they knew that he could be healed. And they were so adamant about this. They had so much faith in this healing. They didn't wait, they took an extremely big risk by tearing up another man's roof. I mean, they could have been shot. I think half of you guys in here would probably have shot them just for being on your roof. I don't know what the Israelite equivalent would have been of shooting. Maybe uh, pull out some stones from a creek bed and I don't know. Let's just say the rod and staff would not be comforting them. Um... But Jesus saw the faith of these men beyond anything else going on and knew that they wanted to be saved. See, the thing is, is that sometimes um, we forget where faith comes from. It comes from God. And even when the things that are done in faith don't turn out quite the way you want them to, you do have to remember where it came from comes from God. All right. So I'm going to show you a couple pictures. How many of you have ever been on, seen, or know what an airplane is? Come on now. So many hands down. You guys need to get out more. Okay. I'd like to introduce you to an early airplane. (laughs) So this thing... Was supposed to work kind of like an umbrella. I know it's really hazy, but that's because the picture's from the early 1900s. So that thing up there is a bunch of wooden slats, and it would spin around very, very fast, trying to blow air down, and then on top of that, it would go <laughs> like that. Guess how well it worked? It didn't. Here's the next one. This one is hilarious. So this one they'd actually designed after an eagle. They figured out that they needed something to be able to push it forward, so they put a propeller on there. They actually have a video of this one. You see these these things right here? I should use a laser pointer, it's a lot easier. This thing right here, this little pylon out here had a had a had a had a a, a, a shaft attached to it, and this it would turn this thing so that the wings would flap. So this thing, I don't you guys ever see like engines from the early 1900s? They don't start up like today. They're like So this thing is, I need a demonstrator. Thanks. Was that, was that an offer? Okay. So what happened was, is this video is hilarious because you see this thing and it's trying to get going and you can see the wings on this thing because it it was, it would flow like this. It was pretty kind of cool looking, but it was so violent and so hard. The propeller fell off. The wheels fell out. The whole thing just collapsed. Next time I'll have to get the video. Here's a fun one. I'm just like, what are you, what? What are you doing? What are you doing with that? What do you hope to achieve? (laughs) See, the thing is, is we find these things funny now. Because we know that that doesn't work. We know it doesn't work because while we didn't come up with that stuff, other people have tried it, and it doesn't work. You can't fly by spinning that in a circle. it just It's not going to produce the lift that's needed. What's funny is this is all like, this picture was actually from after the Wright brothers' plane. So even after someone had figured out how to do it, they're still trying to figure out how to do it. But that's not the point. The point of what I'm trying to say is, is these guys learned something. They learned that doesn't work. But in the process of it, they did learn other things. Let me introduce you to, to something else. This is the F-35. This is the most advanced fighter in the entire world. Probably the most advanced airplane in the entire world. You cannot see this thing on radar. At all. It is capable of taking off from a standstill. It will go right up. It will go right that way. And the next thing you know, it's doing Mach 2. It is capable of carrying an armament powerful enough to destroy a city. Quite different from, our, from what we saw before. Can I show you something else? This is the Boeing 787. This is the newest thing. This thing is made of composite, not metal. It is incredibly light for how big it is, which means that the engines on there don't have to be as big to be able to push it as far as it goes. It is the most fuel-efficient airplane in the world. This is the A380 from Airbus. And yes, this is not a doctored picture. That's the real thing. You notice how it has two floors? It has three floors, actually. The bottom floor is all cargo for the luggage. These are used for international flights for big, 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 big airlines who are going to fly to from like New York to Paris. They're not nearly as fuel efficient as the 787, but they carry twice as many people this is the galaxy c-17 and by the way that's an aircraft inside of an aircraft (laughs) that's a chinook helicopter that thing i showed you before that was like an early version of a helicopter where they were trying to produce the lift yeah we have come a long way in aviation. And why am I, I showing this up? Because I like airplanes. Yeah, I, I like airplanes. They're kind of cool. They, they, they do this thing that I've always wished I could do, which is fly. But we did have a question at the men's retreat. If you would rather be able to run 100 miles an hour or if you would rather be able to fly 10 miles an hour. And I actually said run 100 miles an hour because if you're going to fly, why would you only fly 10 miles an hour? That's just silly. I want to go faster than 10. But see, the thing is, is that everyone who invented these things, they built on what they knew. They knew it didn't work. They knew it did work. They knew how to build these things better and better and better. They actually have an, a, an A380. I didn't get a picture of it. The actually, the only way to get around to, to deliver the parts for the A380 was to put it in this thing called the Beluga, which has this big dome on top of it, which you can stick another A380 inside of. This thing is huge. See, the thing is, is that we often look at our failures as what defines us. But in reality, we're not failing. We're learning how to become better at what we do. Some of the greatest discoveries ever happen when people just readjust their eyes to see what is best. Let me give you an example. Of how to readjust your eyes. A man named George Demestral. Have you ever heard of this guy? Probably haven't. It's okay. So he took his dog for a walk one day. His dog got loose of course. His dogs always get loose. Seriously. You come up with a better leash people. The dog got loose and ran off into some tall grass. Have you ever been? We had this place in Kansas called Tall Grass National Park or what national, what was it? Oh, my goodness. I'm glad I wasn't there. Anyway, so he you ever walked through tall grass? What do you get all over you? Wood ticks. What else? Huh? Chiggers in the south. What else? Stickers. Or burrs, if you want to call them burrs. It's like. Mesas, plateaus, and buttes. its <laughs> All the same thing. Um, so you get these stickers on you, and they get stuck to your pants. and You're like, ah, oh, get off my pants. Well, it's all over his dog, and they're really hard to get off. And he's looking at that, but instead of getting mad at his dog and cursing at his dog for running away, he looks at this and goes, that's holding on pretty good. So he studies it. And he creates a strip with some plastic hooks on it the hooks to some fabric guy becomes an overnight success as he just created velcro something we take for granted how many of you guys have stuff that's being held together right now by velcro i have pictures in my house in my house being held up by velcro there it is velcro and all because he didn't look at his dog and go, man, you're such a dumb dog. I'm going to have to pull all these burrs out of you. He's like, wait a minute. That's kind of interesting. He thought about it. How could I do this better? Shave the dog. You see, the thing is, is every day we are given opportunities to grow as people. And as believers in Christ. But too often we can't see past our situations to see what God is trying to do. In reality, all we perceive is failures and not teachable moments. See, the men on top of that roof, they made some really poor decisions on how to get to Christ. But they got there. Peter had every, every right to condemn them and kick him off his roof and say get away from here and jesus just looks at him and says they got him here you're healed the roof is fixable see the other thing is it takes a team to build a team doesn't it it takes a team to build a team when I got back from Iraq, I started back into college, and I was met by a group of young people, well, young to, younger than me. They were just out of high school, and man, was I cranky. Have you ever been in a service industry before and served there for 15 months straight without stopping 24 hours a day? You come back with this little thing called what we affectionately called compassion fatigue, Okay, I didn't care. <laughs> and I would, every single day that I was in class, I decided that I was going to be the one that helped teach them the, the ways of life. I was going to be the devil's advocate. Everything that they said, I was going to come up against them and debate them. No joke. Can't see that in me now, right? <laughs> I said... So they would, say, they would say one thing, and I would just go the opposite direction just to challenge them. You know what that turned me into? I wasn't that old, but I was the salty old man in class. Nobody liked me. And I didn't make many friends. And I suddenly realized, that's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm not acting the way I should be acting. So the next year, because it takes a little while for you to realize these things, I changed. And I intentionally started working in groups with these people. Despite the fact that they frustrated me so much because their worst day was when their phone didn't work right. Some of you guys look at me that way. It's understandable. I've been on your side. (laughs) I know how that feels. So many first world problems. You can't get your Starbucks right. I didn't have Starbucks. They were shooting at me. Boo-hoo. See, by the end of the year, I started volunteering, being part of their groups and stuff like that, and guess what? They were teaching me things, and I was teaching them things. And it turned me from a salty old man into a mentor because then they would listen to me when I actually had something to say a lot of times I didn't have a lot to say. I would just say something. See, the thing is, is that developing and growing together is something that Christ has always done. When Christ sent out his disciples in Mark 6 and in Luke 10, he sent them out how? Two by two. Why? Somebody's got their back. Also, if I screw up, You can let me know I screwed up, and then we'll help each other. It's really that simple. Accountability. The disciples were young in their faith. They were young and dumb in their faith. And alone, they may have been able to go a lot of different places, but there wouldn't have been a whole lot of faith building. Not a lot of iron sharpening iron. Not a lot of faith grown. But together, they were able to work on that. And this is one of the biggest reasons why I always say, and I still say today, and I'm going to say for the entire time I'm here. The smallest unit of ministry at Bethel Assembly of God is a team. Smallest unit of ministry is a team. If we can't put a team around it, it doesn't need to be a ministry. Because if God isn't blessed it, we we need not be doing it. Without another person there to sharpen our iron, too often we find that we're doing things under our own strength. Now, I will say this about iron sharpening iron. Your spiritual well-being is your responsibility. Not the other person's, yours. They can hold you accountable, but it is your responsibility. Matthew 25 says this. And the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man harvesting where you, did not, where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I don't sow and gather where I do not scatter seed. Well then, you should be put... You should have put my money on deposit and put in the bank at least and earned some interest. So I'm going to take the bag of gold from you, and give it to the man who has ten bags. That's a that's a previous part of the story we didn't read. For whoever has will be who whoever has will be given more, for they have an abundance. And whoever d- does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. This servant had one job while the master was away. Keep my money safe. Okay, sir. He was scared of his master. The rest of the servants went out and went, yeah, I'll keep your money safe. I'm going to do even better than that. Watch this. Put ten bucks in. Get ten bucks out. Look, here you go. Put five bucks in. Get five bucks out. Here I go. I gave you two bucks. Oh, here's your two bucks. Well, everybody else gave me 100% return on my money. What'd you do? I buried it in the ground because I know you're a bad guy. I'm scared of you. I buried it because I'm scared. What's another word for scared? Chicken. Fear. Fear. The thing is is we use we have to use our gifts. If we don't, we bury them. What happens to buried things? Here's a good question. Now right now it's really, really cold outside. Well they get lost, but what else? You forget where you put it. It decomposes. It rots. It gets absorbed back into the earth. And it's gone forever. You got to use your gifts. Or they're gone. And how do we do that? Well, we got to do that by taking risks. We have to be willing to take risks with our gift. You may tell me today, you know, Pastor Scott, I'm not very good at this stuff. I know that there's something that God wants me to do, but I'm just not very good at it. Or I don't think I'm good enough. I got this thing on my heart that I know God wants me to do, but I don't think I'm good enough at it. Leah, can you do me a favor? The kids are going to join us, so can you please let Sarah know that it's time? Thanks. Um, we all too often will just go... I'm not going to do that because I'm just not good enough and it might hurt somebody. Guys, that's what's wonderful about the church. When we do ministry as a team, you're not alone. You're not taking a risk by yourself. And you have accountability. You have someone there to come alongside you and go, hey, what happened? Okay, well, let's do this better. Let's figure out how to do this better. That or you don't know that anything went wrong, and then they go, that didn't go well. <laughs> and then you have, a, you have an opportunity at that point to either be prideful and say, look, I did just fine, which probably you didn't, or you can go, yeah, that didn't go well. How can we do better? And then you work together as a team, and you figure it out, and you get better. If you wait to be very good at everything, you'll do nothing. And if you are constantly afraid of trying, you'll achieve nothing. There's a poem I read. I want to read it to you. There once lived a man who never risked. He never tried. He never laughed. He never cried. Then one day when he passed away, his insurance was denied. They said he never really lived. So he never really died. You only... Develop your gifts by using them. Sometimes by stammering through them. I started playing piano when I was in second grade. I was terrible. I thought I was the stuff back then, but I was terrible. You ever look at people and they think they're the stuff and you're like, (laughs) no, But guess what? If they keep at it, they keep learning. They, 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 they humble themselves and learn and become better. They will become better. They'll become better at what they do. They'll become excellent. Excellence is not achieved overnight. And nobody in this room expects you to be perfect. But what God expects of your gift is for you to use it to try. Let's say, now all the kids are coming in here, I'm going to give a baseball story. You kids want to hear a baseball story? Baseball rocks. I'm a Cubs fan. Yeah, so is my daughter. So here's a baseball story for you. So the baseball story is this. A young man is born and God looks down on this young man and he says, I am going to bestow a baseball gift on this kid. He's going to be awesome at baseball. And guess what? Now he's 10, and it's time for tryouts for baseball. And he goes out for baseball. He's like, oh, I'll give that a shot. I, I, it. I, like, I like watching baseball, I think it's fun. I want to give it a try. So he risks it. He takes a risk with his life, and he goes out there and he tries yeah so he goes out there and he and he picks up a glove and he's like, This just fits perfectly it feels it, you know fits like a glove, yeah, and he picks up a bat and he's got this like natural swing. you ever see someone that has like this natural talent about them, and you like you're kind of jealous a little bit because you're like, man they're just good at stuff and i'm I, I I don't have that he has this natural talent and he does it. And then he goes out there, and it's awesome. And then, the, you know, he goes into junior high, and he's doing more, and he's learning more. And he goes into high school, and he's part of the varsity team straight out of, out of freshman year. He's on the varsity team. And then he gets picked up by a college, and he goes to play college ball probably at, you know, University of Nebraska or something like that. I don't know. It's the only one I know. <laughs> I need to get out more. And then he gets drafted by Major League Baseball. And then he goes and he makes a ton of money, millions of dollars. And he's a, and, and then because he's a believer, he takes that money and he starts a foundation to help kids learn to how to play baseball and associate baseball with their faith or whatever it is. You can fill in this story because we've heard it a 100 different times. What if that 10-year-old boy just said... I'm too scared. I don't want to go. Or I'm not good enough yet. Just let me stay home and practice with my dad just a few more years. Dad's good. But there are people in this world that know how to do things better. that That can train you. That can teach you how to do things better. My dad kind of knew how to take care of the car he kind of taught me this stuff he made sure i knew how to change a tire before i left the house at least but the army taught me how to how to do a lot more it's okay you can it's okay this is called interactive preaching i appreciate it because then i know you're listening but you have to risk your gift for it to grow so what is your gift And if you don't know, that's okay. Because you got people around you who will help you figure out what that is. Matthias, right now your gift is cleaning your room. It really is, isn't it? It is. He is a natural at cleaning his room, and I am thankful for it. I'm hoping one day it will expand beyond his room. I am fine with him cleaning up the house. That will be great. He just doesn't have that that limit yet. Oh, yeah, you'll hit your head. All right, but here's, here's the thing, guys, and I'm going to close on this, and then we're going to do our, our Team Sunday thing. Whatever your gift is, no matter how small, it doesn't matter if you've got a preaching talent or if you've got a toilet scrubbing talent. Seriously, if you can scrub a toilet better than anyone else in the world, there is a calling for you in this world. If you can do electrical... There's a calling for you in this world. If you can can work with people and you're a personable person, there's a calling for you in this world. If you don't like people and you like stuff and doing things and you just want to be left alone, there's a calling for you in this world. Do you get it? We are not the same. And it's only when we come together and work as a team that the mission of Christ actually works. Because I can't be where you are. I can't be who you are. But I can support you. That is my gift. My gift is to support you. That's it. I'm always, always going to be on your team as long as you're on Team Jesus. If you're, if you're not on Team Jesus, you're not going to find me on your team. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you're on his team, I'm on your team. And I'll work with you. And there's people in here right now that would do that as well. Everyone from two years old all the way up to I'm not going to mention because I know better. So let's pray. Lord God, I say this all the time, but I am thankful that you bring us together. I'm thankful that you bring us together because when we are together, we are your church We're beautiful together. We're functional together. We work together. And I pray, Lord God, for the future of this church. I pray for everyone's calling. And I pray, Lord God, that as we progress into this next part, that people who have had a calling on their life, people that have had a stirring in their soul, that they will be open to what you have for them. That they'll take a risk in your name, Amen. All right. Technically, you're dismissed, <laughs> and you're like, "What's the catch?" The catch is, you don't have to leave just yet. I want to show you something. You remember what this? Remember what this message was all?